Hello? Yes. Uh, what's up? I don't, not much, you know, chilling today. How's your day going? Uh, yeah, it's good. Got the questions ready to roll. Okay, I'm ready whenever you are. All right, so uh, Def Jam Poetry influenced you to start writing, then that turned into rapping while watching music videos as a young child. Uh, but initially, were you nervous to start rapping and making music? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, it was something, like, when I started writing, I didn't tell anybody, you know, what I wanted to do with it. You know, it was just kind of something that I kept hitting. Like, you know, I just write and write. I buy journals and write some more. And it wasn't until, you know, I got around to write with people, which uh, are now my group members of Cooley High, or my former group members of Cooley High, where, you know, they gave me the freedom. Like, you know, I didn't feel like I would be judged. I didn't feel like I wasn't good enough. Like, you know, it was just like, you know, we all just having fun with it. You sh- you should go for it. And um, they just gave me that space and that support to really, you know, just, just try it and not to feel overwhelmed or, you know, scared or nervous. So, you know, that's kind of how it all began. But it was definitely something, you know, because, you know, just being from a small country town, North Carolina, I didn't know a lot of people that had a successful career as artists. And, you know, I, I didn't know how my family would feel about it. You know, they always raised me to go be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, something like that. So, you know. Yeah. Early on, you had a rap group uh, called, uh, in North Carolina, called Cooley High. Um, talk about that. And as you said, they helped you overcome some fears as you started rapping. Yeah. Um, well, it was, we all went to NC State and uh, Charlie Smarts, who's in the group, you know, he all knew us. It was kind of like two degrees of separation. Uh, I knew Charlie. We worked together. Digits was running the radio station. Charlie used to go up there. Charlie and Tad were in a band together. And he went around to each of us. He was like, you know, I know a few people. We all love hip-hop. Like, why don't we start this hip-hop organization? And this was before we became like a, a crew, I mean, a, a group, a music group. And so we started this hip-hop organization. We drove, you know, battles, free shows. One summer we did a compilation when I recorded my first two songs. And, and Ninth was like, that's when I met Ninth Wonder. You know, he told us what we were doing as a crew on campus was dope. You know, that was when he told me, he's like, you have a lot of potential. You're a star. You just need to be coached. And so, you know, we just kept working together. And he heard a few songs that we did. He was like, yo, y'all always together. The music y'all has have or have made it sounds dope there aren't any groups out like that anymore especially one with a girl in it why don't y'all be a group and so we were like dad we should be so you know i came up with the name cooley high and you know we ran with it uh we've been together now for well eight years uh i just recently you know kind of fell back out of the group you know just because it's hard to market myself as a solo artist and in a group, you know, it can be confusing. So I'm falling back, and they're still continuing to put out albums, and, you know, we're going to get together again in the future and make more music together. I know Cooley High spelled differently than the Camp Low song, but you have worked with Camp Low. Is there any relation to the name of the group? No, 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 no. Um, I was watching the movie Cooley High, the movie Cooley High, you know, classic, you know, two guys, they're best friends, went to school together. And, you know, that's how I looked at us. Like, we were really good friends. We went to school together, and we just took that K and, and it replaced it with the C, and that was it. And uh, before making music, you had some side hustles. Stocking Shoes at Foot Action was one of them. And Ninth Wonder actually came in to buy kicks. Uh, was that how you first connected with him or first met him? No, it wasn't. Well, first time meeting him, yeah, face-to-face. But, you know, not necessarily interaction. Like, I, I always say our first time, like, officially meeting like, you know, hi, I'm Rhapsody Marlena. This is Ninth Wonder was at that Cooley High meeting. And it's crazy, like, before I really started around, like, I spent, like, two weeks trying to make beats. And yeah. uh, Ninth Wonder and my brother-in-law, they went to NC State together, and he would tell me, like, yo, I got a good friend that makes beats. 
you know, he just made something on uh, the Jay-Z album, the Black Album Nights Wonder, and I was like, yo, he's like, you know, he could teach her. I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. And I was, you know, that weird thing, like, I didn't want to say, like, yo, you're whack, you're wasting my time. So it's crazy, like, you know, I was that close to him, but, you know, I just want a different way of meeting him and connecting with him on a music level. Yeah, and I heard he wanted to sign you right away, even only after listening to, like, two songs. It takes some artists, like, years to get that recognition. How did you, like, respond to that? I don't know about sign. I I met him in 05. He heard those songs in 05, and that was more of, like, you know, I want to take you under my wing and coach you type thing. I didn't sign with him until almost two, two years, two and a half years later in 08. You know, but when I told him, he had just started the label when I heard about it. had a manager. He was like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I heard Nine has a label. I really like to sign with him. Like, I've known him for a couple of years. I trusted him. We had built, you know, a good friendship. So, yeah. you know, when I met with him, he was like, yeah, I'd love to have you. Like, it wasn't a long meeting at all. And, you know, that's very humbling. Just knowing, like, how early on I was in my career and how much I still had to learn I didn't know. From your early work to the new EP, Beauty and the Beast, that, like, what was the advice that he gave you over the years, like, the most important advice that you uh, always keep in mind in the back of your head? Uh, anything you want to make your life, you have to make it your life, which means you wake up doing it, you go to sleep doing it, you know. Even with all the accolades and, you know, how far he's come in his journey, you know, he's still up in the studio even today, like, till 4 and 5 in the morning just working. So, you know, I always said, you know, if he's here till 4, i got to stay at least till 7, you know, yeah. at the very like I have to work harder than him so that was one thing you know to learn from those who have walked that path that you're trying to do like a lot of people have had the chance to be around ninth or whatever legend that you meet and you know they don't like to listen it's kind of like you know I know what I'm doing but when you meet somebody that's already walked that path it can save you a lot of steps and a lot of trouble if you take the time to take their advice and really apply it to help you on your way so you know just to listen and learn more you know than I, than I talk taking that information and allow myself to be coached and a trust people you know those are probably the two biggest things to be yourself be original never let anybody box you in something about the matrix a quote that he used oh the the matrix uh i want to say that project was it might have been like around thank her now sometime between thank her now i did a beautiful you know i i was i hadn't really mastered it but you know i was starting to see like flow and understand the science of rhyme and he was like you know what you're experiencing is kind of like when neo in the matrix was able to see the bullets when they slowed down and he could see everything in slow motion like that's where you're at in your in your career right now like you're starting to see everything and how it works and how it connects and it's this big just awakening that you're having that was a quote that always stuck with me let's talk about some music what does uh warren g's regulate album mean to you man that was that was my first piece of music that rap music that i owned i heard regulate and i love that song and i begged my mom for it and she wouldn't give it to me because it had the parental advisory sticker i don't celebrate christmas but it was during christmas and my dad's sister I, I think I would go over her house and tell her how much I wanted that CD. And one day she surprised me and brought it to me. And it was like the happiest day of my life. Like, ah, oh, my first rap album, that's mine. So that that was dope. Like, <laughs> it was a good time for me. Uh, how did uh, Jay-Z, Nines Wonder, Most Def, Lauryn Hill, and MC like influence inspire your music career? I understand, like, they're great artists and whatnot, but exactly, like, why did they inspire it? Wow. Um, I guess outside of the art, you know, just Jay-Z's business mind and, you know, you know, to be, go and be turned down from labels to labels. And it's like, well, these labels aren't going to sign me. I'll just do it on my own. And to start Rockefeller with Dame Dash and Kareem Biggs and to do it on an independent label, 
And, you know, to be the Jay-Z that we know him today is very inspiring. It, yes. it tells you, like, no matter what door closes, there's always another one, or you make your own door, you go through the window. Like, you you make it possible and never take no for an answer. So, you know, I love Jay's business mind just outside of, you know, his pure talent. Like, yes. it's, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, ninth, I think the biggest thing, you know, outside of his genius, of course, is him being from North Carolina, really understanding, like, what it is as an artist to come out from North Carolina and just being that mentor for us and, you know, how intelligent he is and how much his passion for the culture is really important and what I like most about him. You know, Erica Badu, she's given me, you know, advice through the years just, you know, about being original and, and having style and, you know, just how to maintain yourself as a female. She's a good artist, I think, for where I want to be. Like, you know, you want to be successful, but you don't want to be successful to the point where you have to compromise your art and you lose a bit, a bit of yourself and you lose a bit of your soul. She has a bit of fame, but it's, she's not so famous where she has to compromise her art and she's far from underground. So that's what I like most about, like, how she maintains that level of success where she is. What I was think, what I was getting at is, I think like all the artists that you mentioned, it's all culture over everything, and that's what your motto is. And mentor, so I was like, I like it because you stick to your like art, and you stick to being authentic, and like all those artists that you grew up on and like, it's all because of the culture over everything aspect. Right, right, exactly. Right, I'm sorry, I didn't know exactly where you wanted me to go with that, but yeah, definitely. So, like, uh, I was just thinking about that because I was like listening to your motto about culture over everything. If you could explain that to the people, it'd be awesome because I really like that. You know, this is something I said in a song one day and it really hit like, you know, and I was like, Dad, that should really be, you know, your slogan. And to me, what it means is, you know, for the people, by the people. You want to connect with people at a level and, you know, respect the history of what hip-hop is and, and what it what it was made for. You know, it was made for us to tell our story and to express ourselves, and it was about community and yeah. uplifting everybody. And, you know, when you can do that and you respect the history of it, you connect with people on a on a level through songs or, you know, just being out in a community and shaking hands. Like, you don't put yourself above that, and it's all about cars and money. Like, that's why I think you have the, the longevity, and that's where you touch people and influence people and have that impact more than anything else. So, you know, it's all about, you know, just respecting and protecting the culture. I always say passion over profit for myself, and I kind of, it's, it's kind of similar. Right, right. That's very similar. I like that a lot. <laughs> passion yeah. over profit. That's dope. Yeah. I always ask everyone, is it passion over profit for you? And the majority of the artists that I interview always say it's passion, you know. They weren't in it to make money. It was it started off as a hobby, and then it formed as a passion. Right. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, life is short, and you don't yeah. want to spend your life doing something that you don't love or that's not fulfilling or doesn't bring you happiness just to make money. Like, money does not bring you happiness. You know, it gives you a little power to do kind of what you want to do, but it doesn't bring happiness. And that only comes, like you say, from passion. So Yeah, you were talking about do what makes you happy. We all have a dream. And, like, the worst thing in life is not following that dream and, like, taking, like, the easy route in a way, you know? Right, right, exactly. But that's like, yeah, I, be, I believe in that too. But on, on the EP, Beauty and the Beast, the new EP out now, what was your favorite song creating and why? Mm, that's tough. Uh, all of them were special for some different reasons. I think there's probably two. Um, Drama was really fun to create and Godzilla. Oh. And maybe uh, because I would say that because, you know, they're probably sound-wise the most different you know, uh, the most experimenting I've done on projects, um, you know, so it was it was fun to do something different that had a different bounce, different energy to it. 
um, that I can attack with a different cadence. Um, Is that the song you said, Tripping Off the Dope again, like Kooky at Yeah, that's drama. That was funny, New Jack City reference. Yeah. Yeah, I like the I'm world. Movie head. The world and hard to choose. I really liked as well. I like that project. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and didn't Nas uh, recently co-sign you and speak highly of you? Uh, talk about that. That's that's awesome. He didn't do it publicly, but um, I met him at the Soundset Staff Festival in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, he got to hear Betty Shabazz. You know, he's nodding his head. He's like, that's crazy or whatever. He's like, yo, you, you what the game's missing. Uh, you know, I thank him, of course. And yeah. uh, when he went in his tray with a change, and I didn't think he was coming back out. You know, I thought that was it. He came back out. Because at first it was he and Knife talking, and Knife was talking to Alchemist. So I was sitting on the bench, and my, my back was facing his trailer, so I didn't, I didn't hear or see him come out. And then he just came up behind me. He's like, so, he's like, when we going to collab? We're going to do something. And I was, like, stuck for a minute. You know, this is Nas, arguably the greatest rapper of all time. Illmatic is, of course, the greatest hip-hop album of all time. And, you know, for him to say that, like, it was like, wow. And, you know, we talked a few minutes, like, and, you know, he just had a lot of great things to say. And um, I think maybe, like, a few weeks after we got back to North Carolina, he and Knife were texting, you know, again, because we sent him him the world to listen to. I was going to say. I have to like that song. I was like, that song's amazing. Yeah, like, he, he, he loved it. That was dope. So it hadn't been, like, a public cosign, but, you know, definitely, yeah. like, one-on-one. He's shown love, so yeah, that's yeah. all I can ask for. Never will forget that, ever. Yeah. Um, do you think being a female artist in hip-hop today is more of a challenge than it was back in the day when you had MC like Queen Latifah, Lauryn Hill, Missy, and just a bunch of spitters? And now it's more, it turned into, like, sexual stuff with Lil' Kim, Foxy Brown making the change, and then it went to Remy Ma. Nicki Minaj and now Iggy Azalea. How do you balance everything in today's uh, female environment in hip-hop? Man, it's really hard. Um, I think the easiest way that I've been able to deal with it is just to know that it was going to be a fight. This wasn't going to be something that was easy. You know, seven projects in, you know, Ninth always said, like, this is the good this is a good fight, you know, it's gonna we gotta be patient but we gotta keep we gotta keep at it. That was always what it was. Like I knew that I had to overcome the the thing of being a female rapper and people thinking that you can't rap or that you're only supposed to rap about a certain subject. So yeah. I I knew it would take time, you know, just to break that but, you know, and you know, just how the industry sees you you know, oh, if it's not sex, we can't sell it, which is not really true at all. Or just being boxed in as a female artist. You know, yeah. female artists don't make a lot of year-end, as far as hip-hop goes, we don't make a lot of year-end lists or, you know, we're only, you know, they'll have separate lists like, oh, these are the top female rappers or these are the top female albums or, you know, we're only expected to beef with each other like or be competitive with each, with each other. Like, it's definitely been a struggle but, you know, what's helped is that, you know, I have a supportive team and, you know, we knew what we were getting into from the beginning. So not to say, you know, we didn't have hard days, but we knew it'd be a fight. But, uh, you know, it's it's good to be breaking ground. Like before, I have to, you know, always say, like, I'm not a female rapper. I don't like to be called it. And I don't have to say that anymore. Like, people say that on their own. Like, Rhapsody's not one of the best female artists MC. She's one of the best out of any gender and that's that's the dope thing to see that progression and to see really people really listening and really getting that and understanding like like you said MC like Queen Latifah Lauren like back in the day like they were just as good as all the guys. This today is no different. Like there are a lot of female artists that 
are just as talented, if not better. And on the She Got Game mixtape, the production in the bars were top notch, and like working with DJ Drama, that had to be awesome. But like, as you said, like you, it, it, like you don't have to be labeled a female MC because you hold your own against against the people that you're rapping with on the tracks, like Absol and everyone on that tape. Chance, you, you, you know what I mean? Like you shine throughout the tape, so it's not even like you don't even have to be calling yourself a female MC, or people don't even have to say like, oh, she's a female, like she's good for a female. It's like you're just overall good at rapping. That's been the biggest thing that we've been trying to break through, and. You know, we're making ground with that, which is really dope. And I, I got to thank the guys, you know. That the one thing I am happy about is, is as far as my peers go, like, I don't have to deal with that at all. Like, yeah. the respect is a respect, you know. They don't see me as a female. Like, I mean, you look at me, you know I'm a female, but they respect me as an artist. So that's been dope, you know, to have their support through it all. I always wanted to know this. How does a lyrical artist decipher wordplay and metaphors? Like, how how do you know not to be too lyrical when getting a point across and trying to tell a story? Because, like, you know how sometimes it will fly over the listener's head? Man, that's that's been that's been the part of, you know, the art of rhyming that, you know, I've, I've had to study all these years, and, you know, I really had to find my balance between it, you know. And, like, one of my favorite artists who's one of the greatest at it is Jay-Z. So, you know, it just took, it took time. Like, you know, I even addressed that in Hard to Choose. Like, am I too lyrical? Will they get it? You know, what's the point of it? So, you know, that's just been something that, and I'm still learning, you know, how to how to walk that line, how to make a metaphor or a simile that's deep, but at the same time, the average is not too far over the average listener's head. I think I think that's just, you know, comes with practice and, and studying the game and just really working on your craft and understanding the science of rhyme. And what is your favorite Jay-Z album? Man, that's, that's tough. Like, like, my top three are a reasonable doubt blueprint the Black Album. Yeah. If I had to, like... Every day, like, it changes every day. I I had to pick today. Today would probably be the Black Album. And it's because we're, like, uh, for me, at least, I'm younger. So, like, I would have to listen to the Black Album first and then go back to Reasonable Doubt. So I'd be listening when I was older. Like, I wouldn't be listening to Reasonable Doubt, like, at the time it came out, obviously, because I was so young. Right. Great thing about music, you know, you go back and you listen to the catalog. When you were growing up listening to music, you would listen to the radio and and whatnot, and then TV, and say you wanted to be that. But now, since the game has changed, and the nicest artists don't even have to be played on the radio or be seen on TV, you mm-hmm. know, with the blog, social media, and touring. Talk about the changes from you when you were a child fan to now when you're an artist and how you like made it without all that. It's definitely different than what I thought it would be when I was growing up. Like you said, like growing up, thought or more for the most part, the nicest MC was the one that was on TV and on the radio, and it's definitely not that nowadays. Nowadays, it's your most popular artist, and popularity can come through your followers or how many YouTube hits you get or your song going viral. doesn't make you the best MC, but it's, you know, it's a buzz popularity thing. And I think the greatest thing, you know, about it with the Internet, it allows you to not need TV and radio so you can exist, you you can be a chance, the rapper, without one single song on the radio. And you can you can have that, that kind of notoriety that you want and be yeah. as big as you want without that. You don't have to depend that you control your own destiny. You know, before it was like, I, I really, you know, to really break through, I really need TV and radio. But now with the Internet, like, it's, it's a great thing for artists and independent artists because you still have your creativity, you have your control, and you can kind of control your own destiny. So that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, you can make money and make a living off of it without necessarily being famous. You know, I yeah. think before they kind of went hand in hand to be, you know, you had to be famous to make all this money, but you don't necessarily need that now, like. 
you can do it. You can travel the world and be good. Tech Nine and NF Doom, they have good, they're good examples of that. How you don't need like yeah. It's funny because radio tries. Like they'll bring in artists and they'll interview them for interviews and stuff like that, but then they won't play their music because they don't control what's played. But they do try like right. the next series and stuff like that. But I I see where you're coming from and I see how it works. And uh, well, X- XM is great. Like XM has you know a lot more control than you know. Eight forty five is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you know, uh, they can play what they want basically. So who do you listen to now? Is it still like the same pro era, um, Big Crit? Kendrick, TDE, Joey Badass, is it still the same or has it changed? No, I mean, I, I still throw them in, of course. Like, I'm fans of their music. Um, you know, I still listen to the classic stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always on the Internet when I'm not working on a project, you know, just searching for new music and new artists. Like, this artist from, uh, I think he's from Florida. I want to say his name is Eric Biddens. Biden, Eric. something like that. Um, but, uh He's new, and, you know, I like his music a lot. So you know, I'm always searching for new artists. Like, I'm a fan of, of the culture, and I'm a fan of hip-hop and music. I'm still a fan of the music. So, you know, anybody that's dope that I can be put on to, like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a listen. If I like it, I'm going to ride to it. So, like, he's one new artist that I like a lot. Um, let me think. There hasn't been, like, this year, like, any new artists that, you know, that I've gravitated to like that other than him. How do you feel about uh, like Flash in the Pan records, like Bobby Schmurder, But and then also how do you feel about female artists that are making it kind of like a big buzz right now, like Dejula from Detroit? She does have some lyrical ability, but uh, at the same time, she has more of a mainstream popularity appeal. How do you feel about her music? Oh, I think Dejula's is dope. Like, you know, there's there's so many lanes in music, and they all have to be filled. And, you know, there's one thing is there's room for everybody. There's room for me to exist. There's room for Dejula to exist. There's room for Nitty Scott. There's room for Il Camille. There's room for Nicki Minaj, of course. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be there can only be one. Like, I appreciate everybody. My only problem is on a mainstream level, there's no balance. You know, everything is one-sided. And that's the only thing. Like, I wish we had more balance and people got to see that, you know, there are these all these different artists. They all are different. And we can appreciate and have them all at the same time. Like, we can all exist together. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see any artist, male or female, doing their thing. You know, even Bobby Schmurter, like, people like his records. They're fun. So it's it's like um like when Crunk came out. Like, I wasn't a big Crunk fan, but I understood Crunk's purpose. You know, Fonte dis- described it well. He was like, you know, you have your music for different periods. He was like, be- Fonte used to play football in North Carolina Central. He's like, when we were in that um, football house and before we ran out, you know, we needed something that got us, you know, riled up like that to go knock knock somebody out on the field. So every everything has its purpose. Even GQ, like he said it perfect, which is, you know, my art, my label mate. He said, you know, there are enough people making music for Friday and Saturday. I want to be the artist that makes music for Sunday through Thursday. Awesome. So, you know, there's, there's room for everybody in it. And, you know, anybody doing that thing, like, I say go for it. You know, I'm proud of everybody. Yeah, Static Selector told me just because, like, Say if my music doesn't fit with a certain artist, doesn't mean I don't look like and respect what they're doing, but like it would be weird if I was on the track. Right, right. But uh, recently I saw Missy Elliott uh, reaching out and showing you love on a new project, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I read somewhere that you guys have like share the same autoimmune disease. How did that affect you, like touring and performing? We both suffer from Graves' disease, which is a thyroid disease. Um, you know, at first it was it was a little difficult, you know, just trying to adjust and get my levels right. And, 
you know, yeah. adjust to taking medicine. Like, I think the biggest thing that's hard is, hardest for me, like, it's up all times of night. Like, I don't have a set schedule at all. And the same with touring is like, you know, I forget to take my medicine when I'm supposed to. But the good thing about it, like, I'm, I'm at a good place. I'm pretty healthy. So, you know, I haven't had a lot of difficulties with it. You know, the hardest thing is, you know, just eating the right diet, you know, staying staying away from, you know, bad foods. There are certain foods that, you know, are worse for you. And, you know, just really trying to exercise right and stay healthy and keep my weight down because <clears throat> my metabolism is, is has changed a lot. So, you know, weight issues. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing, like having to change my diet and, you know, keeping a steady schedule and taking my medication on time, like, I, I am the worst with that when it's project and touring time. But other than that, like, I've adjusted well. Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, it's got to be hard with the travel and everything, how you have to eat unhealthy at certain times, and then, like, where you're touring. And, like, even on stage with all that adrenaline, and you said, like, you used to be nervous. Like, how did you overcome all that? And then, like, with the disease, it just sounds, seems like a crazy ride. It's cool, you know? I mean, as far as performing, um, I really wasn't that nervous. The thing about it that bothered me the most was, I think my appearance changed. When I was diagnosed with it, my, my eyes bulged really, really big. And it took them, like, a few years to really get down to, like, a, a normal size. They're not like they were, like where they were. So, like, I would be on stage and, you know, I could get pretty animated. But my every picture I got back, my eyes would be bulging like a freaking cartoon. And, you know, I, I think I suffer, like, a little problems with self-esteem from it. So, you know, but I'm I'm good with that, like, you know, just figuring out, you know, what's beautiful and what makes you beautiful and, you know, just being yeah. in love with yourself. And let me, uh, I got one more question. Yeah. You and uh, Mac Miller did some work together, Extra Extra Generations. You guys flow good together, by the way. I like that combo. How was how the experience? Could you see his vision and movement before he really popped off? Like, could you see it in an artist? Like, this guy's going to, like, blow up. Or, like, can you really not see it sometimes? Uh, I think when I got on Mac, he was doing the kids tour yeah. um, when I was introduced with him. And the first time we worked together, uh, he asked me to come on tour with him, like, the day after we recorded that song. So I definitely saw it. Like, you know, it was my first big tour, and we were on tour together for three weeks. And, you know, I saw the impact he was having. I saw how they were operating. This kid, you know, selling out venues with 3,000 people. Like, I was like, yo, he's going to be huge. Like, you know, I definitely saw that coming. Like, he was fun. His brand was really dope. Like, just outside of music, just as a person, you you can't not like Mac Miller. Like, yeah. I can't see anybody not liking him. Like, he's just a cool person. So, you know, yeah, I'm not surprised that he blew up the way he did. Like, I definitely saw it. We all saw that coming. Like, we knew he was going to be huge. So, yeah. I just, yeah, I just asked that because he signed a $10 million deal with Warner for his Remember Music label. And I know you're right. up to Right. He's smart, too. So, yeah. So, like, what is, like, something that you live by, like, uh, like a quote that always in the back of your mind that helped you made it throughout the years? That's what I usually like to end in the interviews, to, like, help other uh, inspiring artists or people going through tough times. Like, what is something that you always, like, live by that helped you become who you are now? Two of them are, are by Nice, because Nice is always giving me advice, <laughs> and it's, it's the best advice I'm, I'm mostly here. One of them, like, one of his favorite quotes that he quotes all the time to everybody on the label is, Chance favors the well-prepared. And that kind of leads into his second quote, which is uh, anything you want to make your life, you make your life. So he always tells us the story, like, I was able to make the Jay-Z record because I was prepared for it. He was like, you know, I made beats from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep. Like, he did something he called uh, 40 Before Thursday, where he made 40 beats before Thursday. So when the time came 
where he's in the studio with Jay-Z and he's playing Jay all these beats and Jay loves these beats. But Jay's like, well, I got this sample I want you to flip. You know, here it is. I'll be back in 20 minutes or I'll be back in an hour whatever. You know, he didn't have time to be nervous, you know. He did what came natural to him, That what he prepared himself to do. Like, it's like breathing. Like, you know, I do this every day. It's like, all right. And he just did it. So you have to prepare yourself. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing, like, just work ethic. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, um, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you for spreading the word. So. No problem. Thank you. All right. Take care. Good day.